Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new, joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You can also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. glad that you're here today. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here. I uh, want to welcome all of those who are joining us online from whenever and wherever you are. So grateful to have you with us. And also welcome to all of those worshiping with us in Prescott Valley today. Uh, so grateful for you this morning. And welcome to all of those here at our Prescott campus. So glad to have you with us today. Uh, we are in this series. We're working our way line by line, verse by verse through the book of Romans. So we're in chapter five today. If you're just joining us and you feel like, ah, we're jumping into the middle, you kind of are, but that's okay. You can go catch up. If you are interested, it's all on our website and app and YouTubes and wherever the stuff is. So you can go find it. Glad you're here today. But we are going to be picking up right where we left off last week in chapter five, starting in verse 12. And here's, oh, before we dive into that, I do want to say, um, Next week is really a fun Sunday. Uh, as we jump into chapter 6 next week, it's all about baptism. We thought it would be a great idea if we're going to be talking about baptism that we do some baptism. So if you are interested in being baptized at either campus, uh, we really encourage you to come next Sunday. I'm going to be preaching on all of that from chapter 6 and would love for you to be a part of that. If you've got some questions or want to talk with somebody about what that looks like, if you've been thinking about it for a while and want to talk with one of our pastors, Please connect with us at Connection Central before you leave today. We'd love to do that. Uh, but join us next week as we're going to share some baptisms, we hope. We'll see what happens. All right. Chapter 5. That's where we're at today. Chapter 5, verse 12. And here's how it begins. Therefore, pause. All right. So we do this all the time, right? Because every time you see the word therefore, you got to remember it's a connecting word. And so everything he's about to say is connected to what he just said. So we do have to back up just a little bit. All of these sermons kind of build off of each other. So I want to remind us of what he just said. And what he just said was that we were God's enemies, that we were God's enemies. And yet Christ died for us, that Jesus died for the ungodly. That's you and that's me. While we were enemies, Christ died for us. He took the wrath of God on our behalf. That was what we talked about last week, that Jesus took God's wrath in our place so that we could be made right with God. Like, that's amazing news that we shared last week. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. 
that there are some who were hearing that in Rome and there are some hearing that in Prescott Valley and maybe even some hearing that here in Prescott. And there was something in you that kind of objected a little bit and said, ah, not me. I mean, I'm not God's enemy, not me. I'm good with God. God's good with me. I've always been good with God. I'm not his enemy. I'm his friend. God loves me. And why wouldn't he? Look how great I am. Like me and God's always been tight. And, and so there's this thing in you that doubts that what he just said is true for you. It just doesn't compute that you were ever in the crosshairs of God's wrath. It just doesn't compute. So I'm a good guy. So what we're going to find that's what he just told us. If we were in God's crosshairs, we were his enemy. And what he's going to tell us is how it happened. How is it that we became enemies of God? How did that come to pass? How did that happen? That's what he's going to talk about next. So these are some doctrinally deep waters, all right? So you're going to have to put on your thinking cap today. This, this is it's going to be hard to work through, so I'm going to need you to pay attention. So gulp a little more coffee, sit up straight. Wives elbow the husband here. It's going to take a little bit to get in, to get in this uh, text with me today. So y'all ready? Okay, that, no, you're not. Like, that is not, I don't know, PV, I'm sure you all are with me. Thank you. I hear good things about our 11 o'clock PV service. Y'all can learn something. All right, here we go. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sin. Got it? <laughs> Me neither. All right, so let's break this down a little bit. All right, we need to start by talking about sin for just a second. Just as sin entered the world. Now, when you and I think about sin, most of the time we think about sin as a verb. Sin is something you do. I looked at something I shouldn't look at. I said something I shouldn't have said. I went somewhere I shouldn't have gone. We think about it as action. Sin is something that we do. And that is true. But when Paul is talking about sin in this context right here, he's not looking at sin as a verb. He's looking at sin as a noun. Okay? It is a thing. That sin is a thing. It's like something you carry. Sin is like something you contract. Sin is like this force or power that exists in and of itself. So let's try to break down this verse. Let me try to draw it out for us. So here's what he tells us. He says, therefore, we have sin. All right, so sin is just out here somewhere. And then sin entered the world. Just like you entered the room. Okay, you entered the room. Sin entered the the world. So we're going to draw the world. Like here's Alaska, and it goes down the coast, and there's the Baja, and then you got South America that goes up, and then there's Florida, and then out here, and then there's Canada. All right. So you got the world, right? Now, when you think about the world, this is what we think about. However, that's not exactly what he's thinking about. When he says the world, he's not talking about the big rock that we're all floating on. He's talking about people, all right? So it's kind of like when you learn John 3.16. What did John 3.16 teach us? For God so loved. Yeah, this, you can be interactive. That's okay. Yes, God so loved the world. And so when he says God loved the world, he wasn't talking about God loves the mountains, 
That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about all the people of the world. So you have the world that is full of people, and sin entered the world. And how did sin get into the world? Sin entered the world through one man. One man and sin entered the world through this one man. So sin came to this man and went into the world. That's what our text says. And the problem is, not only did sin enter the world, sin has a bosom buddy. Like wherever sin goes, sin has a BFF that always goes with it. And death through sin. So wherever it is that you find sin, you will always find death. So, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. So death went into sin, sin went into one man, and one man sent death and sin to the entire world. And in this way, in this way, death came to all people because all sin. All right, tracking with me now? We're one verse down. What Paul says is, look, sin entered the world through one man. We'll get to him in just a second, which means that sin existed before man ever took an action. Sin entered into the world through one man. It wasn't the action of the man that created sin. The action of the man was the result of sin. Through this one man, sin enters the world. This one man became the portal through which sin was able to leap from the heavenly realm into creation. And Paul says, when that portal opened up, sin drug its BFF with him, and death entered the world with him, and death entered into all people. They both entered the world through one man, and this one man's name was Adam. We're going to see him pop up all throughout our text. So this is the sequence. First you have sin that existed before human action. Sin entered the world into creation through Adam. Death came with him. Death came to all people because all sin. Now, this is where it gets a little fuzzy. So I'm like, wait, 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 wait. I didn't sin. Like, I wasn't there. Were you there? Did you, did you break the command here with Adam? No. Your grandparents weren't there. Your parents weren't there. How is it that we how is it that we all sinned? Like we weren't even there. Like we weren't even there. How did this happen? How does it work? Why is it that we are stuck dealing with the consequences of this man's decision? How did that happen? I'll try to play it out this way. In the beginning, there was one man. His name was Adam. And what what happens with Adam is that in the beginning, what Scripture tells us is that we were all in Adam. So think of it this way. All people of the earth 
were in Adam. I was in Adam. You were in Adam. Your sweet granny was in Adam. Your lovely wife was in Adam. Your awful husband was in Adam. Like all, like, like Princess Di was in Adam. Martin Luther King was in Adam, right? Like all of them. Like Mother Teresa is in Adam. Like the whole world, all of humanity was in Adam. You were in Adam. Everybody you know, every human that has ever existed was in Adam. Like, you don't get away. Like, you're... like, we're all in there. Like, everybody, every human that's ever existed, save one, because he had a different father. Talk about him in a minute. But we're all in Adam. Everybody. Like, this is us. Every one of us are in Adam. This is our default. This is where we all begin. Every human that has ever existed begins in Adam. We came from him. We carry his DNA. We are all in him. And so because of that, what happened to Adam happened to us. What Adam did was credited to us because we were all in Adam. Think about it this way. Paul's going to use the imagery of slavery in chapter 6. And he's going to talk about how we are all slaves of sin because of Adam. So Adam sold himself as a slave to sin. He made sin his master. Okay? Now here's the thing about a slave. If a child is born to a slave, that child also is a slave. Like if, a, if you have a slave and your slave has a child, that child is now your slave too. A child born to a slave is not born free. If a child is born into slavery, the child becomes the slave just as her father is a slave. And that's what happened to us. Adam was a slave to sin, and all of his offspring would then be born into slavery. The slavery of his father. That's what happened to us. We were born slaves to sin, which means you are not a sinner because you sinned. You sinned because you were a sinner. You didn't become a sinner when you sinned. You were revealed to be a sinner when you sinned. Are you tracking with me? Which is why, uh, let me try to help you out. Which is why if you've got kids or you've got grandkids, you already know this is true. Like your kids were born sinners. Like you never had to teach your children how to sin. That was not a class that you had to do. You didn't have to discipline your children so they learned how to sin. That's not how it worked. You had to try to teach your children to be righteous. The sin part was hardwired in them. The righteousness part was not hardwired into them. You had to teach your children to tell the truth. Think about that. 
Like they, they knew how to lie without anyone ever teaching them. It was hardwired into them. You had to teach them to tell the truth. You had to teach your children to be kind and to be generous. Those things did not come natural for your children. You had to teach them because selfishness and lying and manipulation and greed, all of those were things that were hardwired and you've had to work your entire life to try to get them out of your kids. That's what you're trying to do. Those were natural because they're sinners. And that stuff was in them before they ever had the ability to act on them. Rebellion is in their DNA. And it's in your DNA. And so, because sin was in them, because sin is in you, what comes with it is death. And that sin and death contaminated everyone who is in Adam, i.e. the entire world. Thank you, Paul Paul Adam. Everything that was credited to him was applied to us because we are all in him. So, that's verse 12. Now we jump to verse 13, and he, Paul goes on a bit of a tangent here, okay? In fact, you'll notice there's no period at the end of the sentence. You look in your Bible, there's no period at the end. It's as if he just drops mid-thought what he was saying because he thinks of something else. And so he goes on a tangent, and we're just going line by line here, so we're just going to try to follow him on his tangent trail, okay? To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged to anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as Adam did, who is the pattern of the one to come. So Paul is talking about, hey, there was one man and sin came into the world and death followed and everybody was condemned through Adam. And then he pauses for a moment. He has this kind of like, okay, wait, I, but we understand that the law is what makes us sinners because when we break the command, that's how we're sinners. And he recognizes in this moment, but somebody will push back. Between Adam and Moses, there were no commands to break. So think about this for just a second. What was the command that Adam broke? There was only one. God said, do not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. Don't eat it. Like That was the only command God gave humanity. The only one. And they broke it. And when they broke it, what happened? Well, God booted them from the garden. Right? Kicked them out. Put an angel at the entrance to the garden so that no one could go back in and eat of the tree of life. Thus, now there are no more commands that anyone can break. There are no more commands. God gave them one command. They broke it. Now nobody can break any command. The next command isn't given until Moses gets the Ten Commandments. So there's this long stretch from Adam to Moses, where there are no commands to be broken. And yet, Paul says, but I know, death reigned from the time of, what happened to all of the, they all still died. Why is it that they all still died? Well, even though they didn't sin by breaking a command as Adam did, 
they all still broke a command because Adam did. Because what was brought in through Adam's sin was put on all who were still in Adam. So even though nobody between Adam and Moses broke a command, everybody had to deal with the consequence of Adam's breaking of the command. They all died. Death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. And then he adds this line. As did Adam, Adam broke a command, as did Adam, who is the pattern of the one to come? And what Paul's going to do now is he's going to set up this comparison and this contrast between Adam and this one to come. Who is this one to come? But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? So now we have our two, two people. The trespass of the one man, this one man is our, is our man, Adam. And he sinned. He brought about trespass. And because of that, people died. All of them died because of the sin that Adam brought in with him. But, he says, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, who's this one man? Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. So now we're introduced to man number two. We have Jesus. And just as all of what Adam all of who are in Adam deal with the consequences of what Adam did. He says there's a gift. There's a gift. This gift is not like the trespass. There's a gift that Jesus offers, and we've learned what this gift is over the last several weeks. It is the gift of righteousness that comes by grace through faith. By grace through faith of the one man Jesus, and when we come to him by grace through faith, then we then are transferred from Adam into Jesus. I get to be in Jesus, and you get to be in Jesus, and your wife gets to be in Jesus, and your husband maybe gets to be in Jesus. Like, like we all, everybody gets an option to, to be placed in Jesus. And what, there was a trespass that was connected to us in Adam, but now there's this gift that we are given if we are in Jesus. And again, it's a gift. It isn't something you can earn. It's not something you can pay for. It's not something that you can work out on your own. No, no, no. You just have to stand there with your hands open and receive it. And you get to be in Jesus. And when that happens, all that was applied to Jesus then gets applied to us. Like all that Jesus got, we get. Just as we dealt with all of the consequences of being in Adam, we get all of the benefits of being in Jesus. Jesus' righteousness gets credited to us. His name gets given to us. We then are invited into his family. We are given his inheritance. We are offered his statue. I mean, his, <laughs> not statue, his status. Like we get to be Children of God, just like he is the son of God. He is our brother. We are co-heirs with Christ. Everything that Jesus gets, we get if we are in Jesus. 
Just as we dealt with all the consequences of being in Adam, we get all the blessings of being in Jesus. In him, we are declared to be like him. And all that he accomplished gets credited to us if we're in him. And being in Jesus is way better than being in Adam. Like the two don't compare. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. This gift that we get in Jesus is so much greater. It, can't even, it doesn't even compare to what happened in Adam. The judgment that followed the one sin, the judgment that came from Adam, the judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Think about this for a second. What does bringing, I'm sorry, what does being in Adam bring? It brings judgment and condemnation. That's what it brings. But the gift, the gift that we get in Jesus, what does it bring? Justification. Not just forgiveness. Don't miss this. This is so much better than just forgiveness. You've got people in your family who've done horrible things to you, and many of you have forgiven them. Like, I can forgive you. I can forgive you for dishonoring my wife or abusing my kid. I can forgive you and still not invite you to Thanksgiving dinner. What Jesus did wasn't just forgive us. He justified us. He made it as if we had never sinned. He reconnected us with our Father, invited us back into the family. That's what we get through this gift of Jesus. And this, he says this, the condemnation, it, it came as a result of just one sin. One. The result of one man's sin. Just one. He did one thing wrong and the entire world was condemned. But the gift followed not one sin. The gift followed all the sin. Like all of the transgressions of all people for all time, Jesus' one act of righteousness overpowered all of the sin. That's how powerful Jesus is. For if by the trespass of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So one man, what did he do? One man brought the trespass, that brought death, that all came through Adam. How much more? Those who, and this is so important, those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and receive the gift of righteousness. Receive the gift of grace and righteousness. One man's actions brought death. The other brought life. But don't miss this. Who gets the life? Who gets it? Does everybody get it? No. Those who receive God's abundant provision of grace. Those who receive the gift of the righteousness. Like Jesus what Jesus did does not automatically get applied to everyone. 
Who does it get applied to? Those who receive his provision of grace, those who receive his righteousness, those who are found in him. They are the only ones who get this gift of eternal life through the one man, Jesus. You have to be in him. It doesn't get applied to everyone. It only gets credited to those who are in Jesus. And that, for many of us, it sounds so exclusive. Well, why didn't just everybody get it? Like, everybody got what was in Adam. Why doesn't everybody just get what was in Jesus? It sounds so exclusive. But it's not. In fact, it's so inclusive. It's inclusive. It's so inclusive that anybody, anywhere, can get what Jesus is offering. It is the most inclusive thing anywhere. In fact, just in case you think I'm making stuff up, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, everybody got this. So also, one righteous act resulted in justification in life for all people. Like, all of these people can be found in Jesus. And what Jesus did through his one act has the power to cover all people. It is so inclusive. Anybody can be found in Jesus. That's why we call this series the gospel for everyone. Everyone can be found in Jesus. We just have to receive. We receive the provision of his grace. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners. One man, everybody's made sinner. So also through the obedience of one man, many will be made righteous. All who are in him are made righteous because of one righteous act. The death of Jesus on the cross. It was his obedience and not ours that made us righteous. When we are placed in him, we are made righteous, declared righteous, just as he is. And Paul drives home this difference this way. He says, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. Where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through the righteousness that brings eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's bad enough that we were all deemed as sinners simply because we were found in Adam. But it gets worse. It gets worse because long before you were born, the law was given. There was a right and there was a wrong. And you knew what was right and you knew what was wrong and you chose to do the wrong anyway. Like some of you, you made reservations to go do wrong. Like you bought tickets ahead of time. You knew this is right, this is wrong. I will pay money and get on an airplane because I want to go do the wrong. Yesterday, you knew what was right and you knew what was wrong and you still chose to do the wrong. It's easy for us to look at Adam and blame Adam and say, well, it's all his fault. But yet there was a time where you were given the law. You know, this is right, this is wrong. I don't want to do the right, I want to do the wrong. Which is why you have no excuse. And every time you chose to do wrong, your trespass increased. Your sin increased. 
the stack of sin got bigger and bigger the more you chose to do the wrong instead of the right. But the good news is, but where the sin increased, grace increased all the more. Like as big as the pile of sin gets, the grace pile just keeps getting bigger so that there is no way to out the grace of God. And, and just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness and bring about eternal life. The law brought about death. Jesus' grace brings about eternal life, and there is no amount of sin that can overpower the amount of Jesus' grace. If sin brings condemnation, Jesus brings justification. Sin in Adam brings judgment. Grace in Jesus brings righteousness. Sin in Adam brings death. Life in Jesus. Grace brings life. Now, here's how I want to wrap up our time. Every one of you are in one of these two men. Right now, today, you are either found in Adam or in Jesus. Everyone, one of these two men will be the, will be the one who represents us before God. All that Adam brought into the world will get applied to us or all that Jesus did will get credited to us. But we're gonna get one of these two as a representative to us before God. The question is, which one do you want? Which one? One, Adam was tempted in the garden and was disobedient. And one, Jesus was tempted in the garden and was obedient even unto death. One selfishly sought to be like God. The serpent came and said, you can be like God. He selfishly sought to be like God and then was cast from God's presence. Jesus, on the other hand, left God's presence and gave up the right to be God so that we could be in God's presence. One abdicated his responsibility for sin that was rightfully his. He did it, and he, he abdicated his responsibility, and everyone has to endure the penalty of it. On the other side, Jesus, who had no sin, took on the responsibility of everybody's sin. One was the portal for sin and death for the entire world. The other is the portal for life and righteousness for the entire world who takes advantage of the provision of God's grace. One sinned and blamed his bride. It was this woman you put me with. And one took the blame for the sins of his bride. Said, they're all on me. One sold us into slavery. One ransomed us. From slavery. One brought justification, I'm sorry, one brought condemnation, the other brought 
justification. One is the reason that we have been separated from God. And one is the reason that we have a chance to be reconciled to God. One of these you were born into. The other one you have to be reborn into. So the question is which one are you in today? Well, how do I get? How do I get? Jason, how do I get from from this one over to this one? How does one get transferred out of Adam and into Jesus? We'll talk about that next week. Like legit, that's all we're talking about next week. How do we go from Adam to Jesus? And most of you have already taken this step and it's gonna be just a reminder of how you got there. Many of you don't even know But maybe you're here today and say, I am here, and I feel the condemnation. I'm here, and I don't want to be here anymore. If that's you today, then don't wait till next week. Come chat with one of our pastors. Go go meet with our prayer team today. Let us help you connect the dots between being in Adam to being in Jesus. If you know somebody who's still here, drag them here next week so that we can help get them here. Because that's what we're going to talk about next week. We want you to celebrate the fact that you've taken the step. We want to give you an opportunity to help somebody else take the step. Because this is our default. But this is what we're invited to. Let me pray. Father, I thank you that you did not just leave us dead in our sin, but you provided a gift. It's not something we earn. It's something we receive with hands open. That we can put behind us all that was credited to Adam and take on all that was credited to Jesus. May we be found in him. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.